0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things.
1: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. I'm Bill Walton. Well, I'm back today with my great friend and frequent guest, uh, Steve Moore, Brilliant economist, I think we know Steve as a Fox News contributor. He's also with Freedom Works and uh, has a terrific uh, radio show on WABC in New York on Saturdays. Uh, he was also, uh, as was I, uh, he had a little bigger job than I did, senior advisor to uh, Donald President Donald Trump. Um, he's got a new book coming out, which is aptly called "Govzilla," uh, which I think characterizes the size of our of our government. And you know, Steve, I've read your book completely. I like your Thank book. You, Bill. It's filled with facts. It's a uh, depressing, but... It, well, I'm going to get <laughs> to that. It's easy to read and it's comprehensive. And I think you, in, in a short space, you pull together a really, really comprehensive view of what, what's happening to America financially. And
0: unfortunately, it's not a very pretty picture. It is not. And it's a picture book, actually. It's got, it's got a lot of charts about, you know, the whole... History of the growth of government. In fact, the subtitle of the book is How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedoms. And it's just a fact, it is. And we've seen such gigantic uh, expansions of government <clears throat> over the last 50 years, but especially over the last 18 months, 20, 20 months since COVID hit. COVID became an excuse to massively expand the powers of government, the size of government, the regulatory reach of government ways that I think we would have found unimaginable, you know, uh, a decade ago or or less. And so um, I'm very disturbed by the fact that Americans handed over to the government so many powers uh, that I think are unconstitutional. And I've been thinking a lot about this bill. And um, I had to be curious about your reaction. I wrote a column recently about the book where I asked the question: you know, We've spent four trillion dollars—four trillion, not billion—four trillion on COVID prog- since COVID hit to combat COVID, and that doesn't even include all the lockdowns, all of the in, you know the uh, shutdowns of That's our schools. That's the cash outlay. It doesn't That's count. It doesn't count outlay. the economic losses that were exactly. caused it by. Exactly, does it. not include that. It does not include that, which are in the trillions of dollars. And so the question, you know, I've been asking myself is, let's do a thought experiment. Let's say we go back to January, February 2020, when COVID first hit. What if the government had done nothing? What if they just said, you know, we have responsible businesses, we have responsible people, they can make their own decisions about how to deal with this pandemic. Would we be any worse off today from a health perspective? I mean, what we know now is about half the information, at least, maybe, maybe somewhere around half. Of the information that they told us about covid was just wrong <laughs> they've been wrong on i think it. half is generous <laughs> maybe it is generous <laughs> so they're not even batting 50 percent no and i don't so think they got
1: much of anything wrong.
0: i've come to the conclusion that you know when the government reacts to a crisis they always, almost always overreact to the crisis and oftentimes they make things worse and i think that's certainly the case with covid uh where we we spent uh, let me just give you a few statistics billion, according to the Wall Street Journal last week, $200 billion of Medicaid payments were erroneous. $200 billion. You ran a large company. Can you imagine running a company with a fraud rate of 15, 20 percent? Yeah, you're
1: getting a call from the Justice Department or the SEC. Exactly. (laughs) Right, right.
0: Okay, that'll give me another example. $150 billion of um, fraudulent payments under the unemployment benefit program 150 billion dollars now people say well at least that's money in the us no guess what these were scamsters in nigeria and south africa and mexico the money just flowed out nobody checked you know the ppp program they now estimate that as much as a quarter of the payments under ppp were fraudulent and nobody does a damn thing about it you know we read the okay you know This is just business as usual for government. So I started calling the insurance companies. I called the credit card companies and other companies that make payments like this. I say, what is your fraud rate? You know what? They they say, oh, you know, one or 2%. And I said, well, what if it goes to 5%? 5% we're out of business. You know, we can't, we're done. (laughs) We have 5% fraud rate. The government fraud rate is 10 to 20%. And so I just mentioned that because we're just spending money like it's candy, And nobody is overseeing this, there are no audits. Uh, I saw a poll by my friend Scott Rasmussen that found that 40% of Americans believe that 40% of everything Washington spends is wasteful, 40%. So why aren't we cutting government spending? Why are we adding these trillions and trillions of dollars?
1: Well, you bring it up in your book that uh, the problem, of course, is almost two thirds of our spending is already locked in it's entitlement yeah, i mean yeah. the congress only votes on about a third of it, <laughs> that's maybe. a good point and very uh, good point and you know so our ability to cut it i don't think congress has got much power and, and i think you point out the administrative state employs like 98 percent of the workers in the federal government and they've got all these
0: programs yeah. set up and they're on they're accountable to nobody right um but you know i think that's a bit of a co- i mean it is true everything you just said but bill that's a cop-out you know somebody has to be responsible for this you know it's it's it, the congress created these regulatory agencies gave them the power to act like fiefdoms with no oversight uh, they make crazy decisions that we're all appalled by and even when it comes to you you're exactly right about you know the the so-called quote entitlement programs that are an automatic pilot but <coughs> who put them on automatic pilot congress did Congress created the programs; they can reform the programs. They just don't have the backbone to do it.
1: Well, I think that's the uh, more people ought to understand that Congress has punted so much to the administrative mm-hmm. state and the agency so they don't have to take responsibility that's right. for it. That's right. And entitled, entitlements are just one piece of that. That's right. Yeah.
0: And, and so then they say, well, they're uncon- and they even term they use a term for these programs uncontrollable. That's BS. They're not uncontrollable. They just won't control them, <laughs> you know. I mean, as I said, Congress created the programs. They can rein them in if they want to. Well, here, but, but here, they won't. Here,
1: here's the problem. I I worry about a lot. I was on a conference call with some congressmen today, and nobody's really talking about the money issues that we're talking about. They're not talking about the the tax issues. They're not talking about the spending issues. They're not talking about debt. And most of America is now focused on the cultural issues where we've got, uh, you know, CRT being taught in schools. We've got, uh, you know, an open border. We've got a lot of serious issues we're talking about. So it's almost as if all these issues are, are making people not pay attention to the thing we're concerned about, which is at some point we go broke.
0: I think people are concerned. I disagree with you on that, Bill. I mean, you're exactly right. People are concerned about these cultural, social issues and their education issues. But... I got to tell you, people are angry. I mean, they're mad as hornets right now about what's going on in Washington. They feel powerless. I mean, my goodness, look at what's going on. The biggest story of the last six months to me is what's happening in Canada right now with these, you have a caravan 15 miles long of truckers objecting to out of control government power, and in this case, vaccine mandates and lockdowns and other you know, government rules that they don't want to comply with and you've got tens and tens of thousands of Canadians lining the street in Canada. I mean they're less freedom loving than we are. They're more of a socialist state than we are. These people are coming out from all over the hinterlands and cheering on these truckers. And the and and you know the uh, the prime minister is so unpopular Trudeau who's you know to the left of Biden that he's in hiding right now. And he said, "Oh, we can't these are this is an illegal strike and so on and even the attitude of the media here in the United States, these are freedom fighters, right? These are people fighting for their freedom. They're not violent. This isn't like Black Lives Matters riots in the streets where they burn down buildings. These are people peacefully protesting. And my point is, the media is on the side of the government, not these, that media says, how dare these people, you know, have this if insurrection? If, if it gets reported out at all. I mean, right. of, it's really it's, not it's really, it's
1: really not being covered. That's
0: true. This is a huge story. It's a gigantic story. And and the media, you know, and, and there was a piece in the Washington Post. How dare these people, you know, uh, question the authority of the government and so on. And I'm thinking, these are the kind of people are uh, the media today. If we had another Tiananmen Square situation. They'd be they'd be on the side of the government <laughs> against the freedom fighters, and and they love to talk about how oh we care so much about the middle class. These are blue collar middle class workers who are objecting to all these government rules and regulations and out of control government, and our media is siding with the with the status. So I'm very troubled. By that, and I think the American people are too. And incidentally, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you heard it first here on the Bill Walton Show. I think you're going to see these kind of protests emerging here in the United States. I hope we do. Uh, you know, a lot of the trucks truckers here, and a lot of these guys are union members too. They just hate the government telling them what to do, and I hate it too. Well, I've got an F-150. Do you think I'd qualify? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, don't I'd, I'd like to join in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is a crew cab. <laughs> but I think we've all got to join in. I, but it, it it's so we've got so many issues we're dealing with, Steve. I mean, how do you how do you ta- you know, do you, one of the things I like about your book, you go through the tax issue, the spending issues, um the debt issues and where we're going. You you talk about modern, monetary theory, which I want to There's ask you straight. about. But you've also got a last chapter which is 21 reforms that could restore freedom, prosperity mm-hmm. and, and and balance the budget. Yep. So but before we get into the, the solutions, um, what's going on with their money right now? I mean, the Federal Reserve seems to be out of control.
0: Yeah. So the, what's happening is that in the last—since Biden came in, they've spent $3 trillion on— top. well, we had a trillion-dollar COVID relief bill in the last months of Trump. Then they passed a $1.9 trillion blue state bailout. Then they passed a $1 trillion fraudulent um, you know, so-called infrastructure bill. Then Biden wants $5 trillion for his Build Back Better bill. And I think the last time I was on your show, we talked about that Yeah, we that talked bill. about that. And I, they, by and the, by way, the they, way, congratulations. We defeated yeah. I mean, it looks I mean, like was, it's dead. Was, yeah. But I'm going to say this, you know, I mean, just uh, the other day, Joe Manchin said that uh, it, it is dead. And it can't pass without him. But I will not believe, Bill, this, that that bill, that Build Back Better bill is dead until January of 2023, when we swear in a new Speaker of the House and it's not going to be Nancy Pelosi. So, uh, but anyway, my point is we spend these trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And where's the money coming from that? Well, the government's issuing all this debt. Uh, then, you, you know, who's buying all the bonds? You know who's buying most of the bonds? The Fed. The Fed is buying the bonds. So think about this. We've got a Congress is spending $3 trillion more than we bring in. So then that we've got a Treasury Department that has to issue bonds to to pay for all that spending. And then the spend, the bonds are bought up by the people who uh, who have control of our monetary system. Now how does the Fed buy those bonds? They print money. Now what I just described to you is what third world countries do.
1: Well, you've got a three-step process in the book which right. is really interesting. First step is tax and spend. Right. Right. Then is borrow and spend. And then it's borrow and spend. <laughs> which is okay. the cycle we were, okay, when now we're in. When you can't pay for it with taxes, you got to borrow
0: money, which right. is what we've been doing. And now the third stage that we're in right now is print money and spend. And you've got to tell me, Bill, I mean, you're a historian. Tell tell me any place in the history of the world where that kind of story has a happy ending. Because I can give you, you know, look at every great empire, you know, throughout history has been ruined. Almost, some by foreign invaders, but mostly by out well, that, of that was government. the root
1: cause of the of the roman roman for Re- sure roman roman empire fall for sure and look what happened in germany look in what in britain.
0: britain was the yeah. most powerful you know uh, after world war ii britain went socialist and they went through a 30-year depression until uh, margaret thatcher came along i mean when are we going to learn these lessons well That's the reason we've got to get the word out about this. You're going to
1: explain. This is the Bill Walton Show, and I'm here with the brilliant Steve Moore (laughs) economist, and I want to learn from Steve. I think I know the answer, but let's talk about what modern monetary theory is, because that's what the left is doing to justify uh, this incredible binge.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, when they first came up with this uh, cockeyed theory about four or five years ago, we used to laugh out loud that there were actually some of these second-rate economists who were peddling this stuff. But it's basically the idea that um, you, the, the United States government, here's what they say, United States government is that we're the biggest economy in the world and we're the world reserve currency, the dollar is. And so, therefore, that gives us the kind of authority to be able to spend and borrow whatever we want because everybody's going to buy up our bonds. And, you know, that's a laughable co- concept. And... You know, we didn't pay much attention to it. And then Joe Biden won the election. And sure enough, he and AOC and Nancy Pelosi and Chucky e. Schumer, they're actually practicing modern monetary theory. In fact, this head of the House Budget Committee, <coughs> the, the, uh, he's, I blank on his name, he's from Massachusetts. He said the other day, we can borrow and spend whatever we want. We can borrow and spend whatever we want. That's the attitude on Capitol Hill. And so the trillions and trillions and trillions have come out. And of course debts that what they what they fail to realize is debts have to be repaid you know i mean the, the, there there's a, uh you know an old saying by Milton friedman there's no such thing as a free lunch somebody's going to have to pay for this and if we don't pay for it we're just passing the cost on obvious it's obvious to our children and grandchildren well, our, our, our federal
1: children. debt now is over 30 trillion
0: well when you include the social security and medicare um well you when know, it's, clo- it's,
1: but, it's closer it's closer to 70 million when you include that right? well
0: if you include just the amount of money so far that's owed to Social Security and Medicare, not counting what you know the deficits in the future. It's thirty trillion. The publicly held debt is around twenty-three trillion dollars, and I mean these numbers are so gigantic. But then you know if we don't fix these programs, those debts are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger over time. Yeah, I think, the and theory... uh, it's it's you know frightening. Well, who owns what? that debt?
1: I, th- I, which debt? Well, the twenty-three trillion.
0: Uh, well, um, it used to be said we owe it to ourselves. Remember, that used to be the excuse for borrowing. Well, yeah, we have all this debt, but the American people, but more and more of the debt is owned by the Saudis, by the Japanese, by, of course, China owns trillions of dollars of that debt. And incidentally, I'm in favor of erasing about a trillion dollars of that debt with the Chinese because of, uh, as a reparation payment for COVID. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think- I love that idea. You know what? you this. i love that idea yeah there's trillion dollars (laughs) of debt we're going to raise that we'll call it we'll call it even i know some of my my friends at the treasury department are horrified by that idea but you know
1: well i think everybody would worry about whether the next person to buy a treasury bond
0: yeah but you know i mean that's the argument against this yeah that that we're not going to repay it but we'll say no we're we're going to repay it unless you you know inflict the world with a disease that kills millions and millions and millions of people. So you share my view that this was inflicted
1: on us by the Chinese, whether it jumped out of the lab on purpose or accidentally, yeah. they certainly took advantage of it.
0: I don't know if it was intentional or not. An I mean, you and I may disagree on that. Well, but there's it, no question. It was either intentional or incompetence, right? But either way, uh, you know, once, they, it, once it got out of the lab, they capitalized on it. Exactly. Big time. and they, And they covered it up. Right, right, and that's a that's a crime against humanity, right? So why should we pay them? You know, it cost us more than a trillion dollars to deal with this. So, you know, you're going to pay for China. You, you, this is this is a reparation payment for what you did.
1: Well, you know, it does feel like I mean, I, you know, my background's in private equity, and you get a company that's so indebted the way this country is relative to its cash flow and assets. Yeah, would you invest
0: in it? No.
1: <laughs> right. I've understood the Chinese are even cutting back on their their holdings of u uh, s. treasuries. I mean,
0: they're certainly not adding to them. Um, I haven't looked recently, but you know, I think they own two to three trillion dollars of that debt, and they had been adding a lot of the debt. Um, but my point is it it is it is something we're passing on to our children, and it's going to be a huge burden. We estimate that, you know, the average child born today, their share of the national debt is going to be like $300,000 by the time they're 30 years old. I mean, that's an enormous, like a second mortgage.
1: We've got a joke in the book. I don't know how funny it is about a guy in a black suit, black tie showing up at the door and the housewife answers the door. The mother opens the door and says, I've come here to collect my $300,000. And she says, I don't have $300,000. She says, no, not you. Talking your kids. kids. <laughs> right, exactly. No, that's, that's <laughs> exactly what we're doing, right?
0: I and mean, you don't know whether to laugh or to cry. So, you know, we need to turn things around. We need to get taxes down. We need to get spending down. We've got to get government. We've got to put a leash on government. And, I, I, you know, I think Americans are ready for that.
1: Well, he, here's, here's what I heard today, though, when I'm listening to these congressmen. They said, well, there's a consensus among the base that the Republicans are the only possible solution here, because the Democrats certainly are not going to do anything but nobody believes the Republicans right. are going to do anything. That's true. I mean, if, if we get control of the House in uh, 2023, what's Kevin McCarthy going to do? Yeah, that's really? a great question. So, you know, we I mean, need he, to...
0: He's going to be another Paul Ryan, I fear. I, we, you know, who knows? I Look, and I Paul lived, was a brilliant guy. We had big Paul hopes and, for him, you know, but he didn't... We did the... Ta- but here's the point. And if you go back to 1990, the, the first sort of modern Republican revolution, that was in, you know... Well, the first one would be Reagan. The second one was when Newt Gingrich and the Republicans took over the Congress. And they did do a lot. I mean, remember, in the late 90s, we actually balanced the budget. I mean, that seems like an alien concept. But I remember when Newt came in, you know, we had, uh, you know, half a trillion dollar deficits and... and, and, and Years of just budget responsibility and a growing economy, we were able to get the. You know, when you think managed. about
1: the economy, Bill Clinton's looking
0: better and better. Yeah, well, Bill Clinton was one of the more fiscally conservative presidents, no question. Right, right. I mean, he was the one who declared in his very famous 1996 um, State of the Union message that the era of big government is over. Uh, do you think that Joe Biden believes that? <laughs> you know, I mean, we've, we've resurrected the era of big government. In every way, by the way, they, now they want the government to be in charge of babysitting the government is going to be in charge of babysitting. That's I mean, literally true. Yeah, There's a line item not, in the budget. Yeah, literally. Not, this is not They just, call it, uh, quote, child care, but child care is just babysitting. That was my first job was a babysitter. some number, know? like $500 billion for this? Yes, yes. And then they've got, you know, a trillion dollars they want to spend on climate change to subsidize the solar industry and the wind industry and the electric car industry. Meanwhile, we're forfeiting our energy leadership to Russia and the Saudis with through this dingbat energy policy. Um, you know, it, look, if Republicans aren't going to do it, then we're really screwed, right? Because the Democrats aren't going to do it. And so we're going to have to demand, you know, a, a, a reduction in the size and scope of government immediately. And how about starting by cutting every government program by 15 or 20 percent?
1: Well, you'd have to start with the entitlements. Well, but you've got a. We could talk. We could talk about one of your twenty-one uh, solutions in the book. I mean, mm-hmm. what would you do about the entitlements?
0: Well, I would privatize Social Security. I mean, what a tragedy we didn't do that thirty or forty years ago. Imagine every every young person. Back privatize
1: now. Social Security means instead Put in of sending your, sen, putting putting your money in actual yeah. uh, savings account yes. that would compound over time that you own. Well, people think they've got that now, they but they don't.
0: They don't. There's no. Are you talking about the infamous lockbox? Yeah. <laughs> We've
1: been, I've been looking around Washington for that lockbox. Lock <laughs> I don't want to burn anybody's bubble. There's no lockbox. <laughs> <laughs> They've already spent the money.
0: That's right. the thing. I mean, can you imagine you were the CEO of a major company? Can you imagine if you did with the pension fund? <laughs> what would they do to you? <laughs> they would the, hang you. <laughs> that's the second set of a, it would be. That would be. A, <laughs> I mean, they'd either put you in jail. Or they would, <laughs> I mean, you can't. Uh, this so is one of my pet private, peeves. I talk about in the book. If if a private CEO, you know, did the accounting for its firm the way Congress does its accounting, we would put these people in jail for financial fraud. I mean. You know, Biden says, oh, my program only costs a trillion. No, it doesn't cost five trillion. You're just using, you know, dishonest accounting. And again, nobody calls them out on this stuff. But I think the American people are, that's why I wrote the book. And by the way, Bill, I want that book in libraries. I want it in schools. I want people to learn this stuff because nobody taught I mean, do you think that they would put this book in the public schools for kids to read? Hell no, they're not going to do that. Uh, But please, folks, get the book, but get it for young people have. Young, the joke is on the young people. Let They're me, the ones let, who are the villains. Let me add to the victims. plug.
1: It's relatively short. It's filled with very clear graphs. Yep. It covers all the major issues. Right. It talks about who the heroes are and there're not enough of them. Who mm-hmm. the villains are, what the money is gone to and and what kind of future we're going to have. And I think you called it it's not a it's a it's a it's a fire it's not a fire drill but right. it's a five this alarm. This is the real uh, thing. Five <laughs> alarm. Yeah. Um call I'm, I want to shift gears China what do you think about what's going on in China
0: right now I think you know China is a uh, is an enemy they're an adversary they're a dangerous power I think they're Japan circa 1939 America better wake up I think Trump was the first president to realize just how dangerous China was they're involved in predatory economic practices they're building up their military in an incredibly dangerous way And we need a president who will stand up to them. And that's one of the things I admire about Trump. I mean, he stood toe-to-toe with the Chinese, and they backed down. Reagan said something that was so true. I'm not a foreign policy expert, but I think all foreign policy comes down to this. Weakness is provocative. Weakness is provocative. We're weak. We are weak right now. When you look at what happened in Afghanistan, what we're doing to our own economy, that we're not producing our energy— is is it any, you know, wonder that these other countries feel like they can, you know, uh, invade uh, uh, another country? And, and, and all and the
1: gun flapping we're doing about, doing about Russia going into Ukraine is driving Russia and China together. So we're actually making it worse. Yeah, uh, but, the, you know, you and I, five years ago, if you'd asked us about China, we probably would have said, look, free trade's great. We're going to do business with china they're going to get more prosperous and as they get more prosperous they're going to become more democratic we're going to welcome into the world uh, you know world community that hadn't happened i mean oh, i remember yes. i remember i i was asked to give a speech at cpac about mm-hmm. four years ago yeah not a speech i was part of a panel yeah and they had
0: these different topics i think and, i remember that
1: mm-hmm. and i said what do you want to do and i looked at this i didn't know much about any of them i said i'll take trade And so I thought I was gonna do a free trade speech. And this is when Trump had just begun to come in. And I began to look at trade with China and realized they're not playing by any of the rules. Mm. So where are you as, I mean, uh, this is Bill Walton, and I'm, I'm, I'm here with Steve Pro, and I'm I'm trying to, I want to see what he thinks about China now versus China five years ago.
0: Well, I mean, my kind of quick version of China is China, you know, after Mao died, China moved towards a more free enterprise system, and they privatized land, and they privatized their industries, and they moved more towards a system of property rights, and they cut their taxes, and China boomed. I mean, it was an incredible, one of the great booms of world history is what happened China from about 1980 through, you know, around 2010. I mean, it was an incredible, uh, you know, expansion of uh, living standards in that country. And then around then you had President Xi come in and he has been, um, he's a communist. (laughs) He's not a free market guy. And and I think ultimately China is going to destroy itself with its, with its heavy handed, government but in the meantime they have built up their military they're not playing by any kind of free trade rules um i'm in favor of of tariffs on china I, and i'm not a tariff guy but you know we should put very heavy tariffs on china to uh make them pay for their predatory trade practice for the fact that they inflicted COVID on us the fact that they're a dangerous military power now and uh and uh, we better recognize that they are not a friend, that they're an, an enemy. So, Well, do you simple.
1: think uh, China, Xi has done some really draconian stuff with public companies in, in China, yeah. some of them trading here in the United States, where yeah. he said, you know, he said to Didi, you listed in New York, you got to get off New York, and they, said, yeah. they saw their value fall by 50%. Yeah. They're, they're disappearing, yeah. some right. some tech uh, yeah. entrepreneurs. Yep. They're, yep. they're cracking down. They shut down the private tutoring yeah. industry. Yeah. Uh, seems to me like Xi doesn't understand how wealth is created and None he could it, destroy whatever. whatever economic uh, progress China's made.
0: That's why I think in the end of the day, you know, we're going to prevail over China unless we let them walk all over us. But, you know, we still, we have a free, a free market system and they don't. And they have central planning. They're back towards a communist uh, you know, system where government, the politicians are making the decision. And if they continue down that road, you're going to see massive disinvestment in China. So I think that they're going to, they're going to blow themselves up if we don't blow ourselves up. I mean, see, this is the point of my book. You know, we know that the free enterprise system and limited government is the goose that lays the golden eggs, and yet we're, a great chapter in we're that, not the doing book
1: it. To show how wealth has been created over the last 200 years. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what what do we? Okay, it's now early two thousand twenty two. <clears throat> We've got an eternity before Joe Biden's term runs out. Three years. We're hopeful we'll get the Republican majority in the mm-hmm. House, and maybe bigger numbers in the Senate mm-hmm. in in the November election. What are we? What What are we supposed to do now? Um, if you're an activist, if you're regular citizen, what do we got to do here to the tide back for the next uh, next eight or nine months
0: well i i'm getting a little optimistic first of all i mean look at the poll numbers for biden they're horrific i mean the american people have turned against the democrats and they've turned against the uh, status policies of the democrats and so i do think it's going to be a monster election in 2022 I think you know any any candidate with a D next to their name is in big big trouble. Of course, Biden is not on the ballot, but all these other Democrats are, and so uh, I think you're going to see a wipeout and a, a, a public spanking of the Democrats, figuratively, not literally. And um, the Republicans are going to take the House by I mean they're going to have a 35 seat majority, in my opinion, and the Senate I think will pick up four. Seats in the Senate and, and governors. Don't forget. I mean, I spent this week, past weekend, with the Republican governors. We got a lot of really good Republican governors. Starting with Desantis, Kim Reynolds in uh, Iowa is fantastic. I love Governor Stitt in uh, in Oklahoma. You know, Governor Lee in Tennessee. Abbott's great, and uh, and Doug Ducey's really good in Arizona. And one of the things I'd say to you, uh, Bill, is this is the school choice moment. We've been waiting for Americans are so frustrated and irate about what the teachers unions and the school administrators have done to our schools in terms of the curriculum in term, which is anti-America. It's an anti-America curriculum in terms of the shutting down of the schools and, and, and the, the, the you're watching what's happening in Loudoun County where they're they're basically, uh, not allowing the kids in the school if they don't have masks on, even defying the governor's orders, which is an insurrection. <laughs> the left loves to talk about insurrections. That's an insurrection. And, and you just see it. people. So Governor Ducey has basically uh, put, put forward an executive order in Arizona, which I love. I'm trying to get every Republican governor to do this, that says this. If you shut down the schools, either for COVID or for an illegal strike or for whatever reason the public schools are closed, I'm sending the state education dollars straight to the parents so they can send their kids to a school that is open. Now, by the way, how can any liberal who's in favor of education be against that, right? You don't want the kids to go to school. And we've got eight Republican governors now who are going to do a similar policy. This should be the Republican policy as well. If If a school district anywhere in America shuts down, the federal money goes to the parents, not... Now, that would, that would be a huge—that would scare the pants off of the teachers' unions if we did that. But you're just seeing a rising up of people. You're seeing it in Virginia. You and I worked with, uh, with uh, Governor uh, Youngkin, who pulled off that big upset. So I'm, I think people are really angry right now, and they should be. And I want my book to make them angrier. And, uh, you know, it's a power to the people movement is what we need, a power to the people.
1: Well, you know, if you go down the long list of everything you could do to change things, where you end up is deciding that education is probably the biggest mm-hmm. one, both near term and, and forever. Yes. Where if we took we back cannot go on of, as a country. If we took back control of K-12. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. That's the same. We can't go on as a country, a functioning country if, with this education system. We have, we have allowed this to persist for three or four decades right now with the left taking over our schools, it's an anti-America, anti, you, as you would say, an anti-Western civilization agenda that's being promoted in the schools.
1: Yeah, it's the not kids just don't
0: know anything. Yeah. They, and what they do know is wrong. And if we allow this to ha- continue, then we're the pro- as My son always says, you know, when I uh, rage against his generation, I say, well, Dad, you're the ones who made us like this. And we're responsible for the schools and the lousy education that our kids are getting. So, give your, Have your son give me a call. You are not responsible for it. <laughs> yeah. I, well, he said, you know, uh, our generation is, though. Well, perhaps. We, yeah. Why did we do nothing about the schools? Yeah. Well, why? Why but, weren't we paying attention?
1: Well, I think they've learned how to outlast us. If you're a parent, right. you go in and you start talking to your second grade teacher. And right. next thing you know, the kid's in third grade. Right. Or you go through junior junior high school and you've got these issues. And then pretty soon you're gone and somebody else comes That's in. That's true. They, they've uh, they've right. learned how to but outlast the us. But the lesson
0: us. there, Bill, is for parents out there. Pay attention to what your kids are learning. Look at their textbooks. Look at what they're, what well, they're that was, writing.
1: That was the un, unintended consequence of the lockdowns. Exactly.
0: Exactly. People said, this is the crap they're <laughs> teaching our kids. It's boring. It's wrong. It's anti-America. It's outrageous. And it's not just critical race theory. I mean, critical race theory has has been the the concept has really been embedded in history books now for since the seventies.
1: Well, it's the 1619 Project yes. as well. And it's also the, you know, science and math are somehow uh, r- racially tinged. Right. I mean, there's all sorts of uh, things going on that are that's beyond the pale. Everybody should buy this book. Uh, Govzilla, as I said, it's a, it's a short read. It'll take a couple, couple days. Months. If yeah. you do it, you're going to be profoundly smart about the things that and are And you're going to be angry. First. You're going to be <laughs> angry. <So laughs> right.
0: Steve, final final word. Uh, We cannot continue to go on as a nation that that, uh, spends, uh, you know, last year, $7 trillion. Uh, We cannot continue to go on as a nation that's borrowing trillions and trillions of dollars, $30 trillion of debt. Uh, We're going to have to raise our taxes to over 50% uh, of everything we earn to pay for all of this. And America won't be any... America will not be America anymore if we allow it to happen. So this really is a call to arms, you know, figuratively, that we you know, take back our government and, and they work for us. We don't work for them. You know, this attitude of school administrators and politicians that somehow we just sit down and shut up. That's not going to work anymore. I'm but, with you.
1: Yeah. Okay. This has been the Bill Walton show. I've been here with Steve Moore. As I've, I'll repeat myself, the brilliant economist <laughs> and true patriot. And he's got a great book, Govzilla. You can find it on Amazon, both as uh, Hard copy and uh, and a Kindle version, which is very easy to very easy to work with, and the graphs are great in it. Uh, so thanks for thanks for being part of this. And uh, Steve will be back, and hopefully we'll be making this progress, some progress this year with Steve's ideas Thank to uh, take our country back. We'll see you at
0: CPAC, right?
1: See me at CPAC yeah. in a couple of weeks, and I'll see you at CPAC. Absolutely. Okay, great. Thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone, and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.